Hey everyone, welcome to episode 70 of the Switch Focus podcast. It's Easter weekend, so obviously we hope this is an excellent podcast for you. <laughs> and that's the last pun I'll make this one, probably. Maybe not. Uh, with me, as always, is Ginny Wu. Hey, hey. And Andrew Brown. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and this week we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. We're, we're going to chat about the uh, latest Switch update, how Nintendo plans to distribute in China, some of uh, Nintendo's policies in, in terms of Smash custom levels, chat a bit about Cuphead, Yoshi's Crafted World, uh, Lone Wolf, the Final Fantasy X and X2 remaster, and a bunch of other stuff too. So should be a packed show. Uh, so with that, let's get on to updates from the previous episode. Okay, so uh, I think Andrew tried to start a, a really good feature here, but it turns out it was related to something that seems to be just region locked. So. Yeah, I don't know how you got that, but I didn't get it and Andy didn't get it. So so Andrew got a, a cool email from Nintendo, which featured some, some stats, uh, including the frankly ridiculously high number of hours he played in the last 90 days. <laughs> Nintendo sent me an email that had a lot of advertisements in it. And at the bottom of it was some stats from my Nintendo Switch profile, which were frankly disgusting. I'm a terrible person. I need to get a life. In the past 90 days, I've played 377 hours of Nintendo Switch. That's about four hours a day. It's actually even more than that. Uh, my most played game this year, it's got to be like literally the last year, like since last April because it's not true that since the beginning of this year I've done this, but most played game in the last year is Diablo 3 Eternal Collection, which I went over 150 hours on that a couple months ago. And in the percentile of top game hours played compared to other players, I'm in the top 96% of players, so there's only 4% more people out there in the world that have played more games than me, and let's be honest, those people who are higher than me are probably just the people who leave their game running on pause 10 hours a day. Yeah, possibly. (laughs) The shade. Wow. Thanks, Nintendo. They're meant to be encouraging you to play it more, not less. (laughs) Sadly, I don't have any stats. So it must be a US thing. Interesting how differently the different regions actually operate, and it's not just one front. I've experienced that in the past with their support levels, like compared to England and Australian support. It's not been as as good over here. So yeah, 96%. (laughs) Damn, that's actually a really impressive statistic like i'm not gonna lie i am actually really impressed i mean it's extraordinary (laughs) and with that public shaming of andrew let's uh (laughs) chat about the latest switch news okay so first up the uh, switch received its latest firmware update this week we haven't got folders to organize uh tiles of switch games but they've added a a bunch of things such as alphabetical sorting, a publisher sort. Andrew, you've put some notes here that it reveals some fascinating relationships. Yeah, apparently all the games that I have that were on sale and I bought them for like a dollar fifty, but I'm never actually going to play them. They're all from the same publisher. <laughs> and which publisher was that? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Garbage Corp? I don't know. <laughs> Garbage Corp? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and you can sort by playtime, so as you alluded to, I'm guessing Diablo's up there. <laughs> uh, near the top, yeah. Um, yeah, Breath of the Wild, Skyrim, Fortnite, 
Diablo 3, Hyrule Warriors, and Minecraft are my top row when you sort by total time played. Mm. Wow, I'm, I'm surprised Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors is that far down the list, to be honest. But. It's working its way up there. <laughs> Fortnite is the most surprising, because I haven't played Fortnite since last summer. But that was how much Fortnite I played last summer. Yeah, you really played it. <laughs> yeah, you you really did, boy. You really played that Fortnite. Out of all three of us, it was definitely you. Another news, Tencent uh, to distribute the Switch in China, uh, mm-hmm. which is good news. More money for them. Um, we have posed some questions about how the raiding thing is going to go over there. It's probably not going to launch with the, the, the same vastness in software that all the existing regions are seeing, and China are a bit more... Uh, firm on on what they allow to be released to their public. Yeah, I think for for me as well, like, because I know that um, with Diablo, China censored the absolute hell out of it. Um, so I I don't know how, like, for example, if they're ever gonna have Diablo three on the store, what that will look like? Will it just be like someone have done a port of the original Diablo that gets released in China? Like, how is that gonna work? Um, what's the process going to be like for getting games approved? Because I know we were having a period earlier in the year where it was like taking months to get a single Steam game approved via Valve. And I mean, I don't know. The Steam store is a much more lenient store overall, I think, than the Nintendo eShop um, content-wise and sort of quality-wise. So if it's taking like an age and a half to get a game approved on the Steam store, I just, I kind of dread to think how long it might take to get a game approved in the Chinese Nintendo eShop. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's really great that people in China can now have the Switch, because obviously the more people that play the Switch, the more people that can listen to our podcast. Um, but Hey, China. Yeah, hey, China. <laughs> check us out. Ni hao. Um, yeah, ni hao. But, like, seriously, honestly, I am just kind of, like, unsure about the process with releases, how that's going to go, if, they, if this may actually see... If we may see instead of ports um, or instead of all the second party games or maybe even some of the first party Nintendo games that we get more Chinese publishers stepping up and Chinese developers doing their own thing for the store. Like it could be, I suppose, a renaissance in Chinese development. We don't know yet. We just have to speculate. But um, I'm interested. Um, I think it's a good thing for people to get the Switch. And yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, the rating thing is, is interesting because just this week, Katana Zero got a refused classification in Australia. I know. So bummed about that. Ugh. It is annoying because I was kind of looking forward to that one. Me too. The The other thing with this as well, this might be an unfair viewpoint, but just anecdotally, China seems to be really big into the, the free-to-play stuff, the MOBAs. Oh, it is. It 100% is into the mobile game sort of like stuff. So, And, and we're seeing things like Smite and was it Heroes of Valor? Arena of Valor. That's the one, Arena of Valor. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> yeah. this has sort of informed the decision. Well, Arena of Valor is published by Tencent, so I'm sure it'll be ah, well, no yeah. problem exactly. for that to be on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, uh, but good nonetheless to see the Switch hitting your regions. Mm. Other news, now this is a, an unfortunate one. So there have been reports of Smash levels with the uh, trans flag being pulled uh, mm. after they released their custom editor. Now I was looking in, into the thread at this just before, mm. and it does seem like it was just one mm. that got pulled, um, and there are a bunch still up there, so hopefully it's just one bad call hopefully. or something automated. But yeah, they should be doing better with that. Yeah, um, I, I I think it's been mixed, but I mean, like it is kind of like a the unsurprising Nintendo response, um, I think. Um, for stuff like that to happen. I don't know if you... Um, the thread's kind of floating around on the internet, so there have been um, not just a bunch of tweets, but also 
a screenshot of a response from Nintendo, which basically says that the content was um, inappropriate and or harmful. So, I mean, eh, obviously not like the best way to frame stuff like that. You know, it could have been automatic flagging. I suspect it was automatic flagging because we've had stuff like that happen in Splatoon 2. But but also, um, I, I think that while there are still, you know, still levels up there that have that stuff, um, we probably shouldn't be um, flagging content like that as inappropriate and or harmful, and that shouldn't be how it gets dealt with when people report levels or stuff like that. So I guess we'll wait and see. Nintendo said nothing about it, because like I said, it's it's either just that one level or just a couple. Like, I've only seen a handful of reports online floating around about it, so I doubt it's a huge amount of levels. But it is very Nintendo, um, sort of their way of dealing with stuff like that. But yeah, I think we should be doing better. It's 2019, guys. Come on. Yeah, they're, they're nearly always either amazing or terrible. Yeah. And they're usually more terrible by accident with this sort <laughs> yeah. of stuff. So I don't mm. know. So with that unfortunate news, let's talk about some positive stuff, hopefully, mm-hmm. and chat about the things we've played this week. Yay. Okay, so we're going to kick off uh, with Yoshi's Crafted World. Uh, Ginny's finally had a chance to put some more time into it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How's that working out for you? That had an edge to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it is It is really cute. So I've been laid up in bed this Easter feeling really crappy. So I was like, well, you know, um, I am playing Cuphead, which might be contributing to feeling really crappy. Um, so I might, like, scale <laughs> wow. it back, take a bit of a break, and play something a little more low-key. And I, and I bought Yoshi's Craft of World the day that Andrew and I talked about it on the show and just hadn't gone around to it because I've just been so busy. And I thought, you know what? I could really use some nice, relaxing Yoshi stuff. I think if I were any more relaxed, I would have just passed out. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was... Um, Andrew was definitely right. Like, I... Not that I didn't believe him, <laughs> but I was really, really hoping that it wouldn't be such a de-escalation from Woolly World, just in terms of, like, how engaging the levels are at first pass. Like, not not gonna lie, I found it fun, and I love costumes in every game. Like, whether it's Senran Kagura or Yoshi, apparently, I just can't get enough of costumes. I was quite motivated by the costume gacha to, to keep playing different levels and to, like, dress myself up like a sheep or a milk carton or a trash can. Like, I was really happy with the trash can for some reason thought it was a great representation of my life anyway so <laughs> costumes excellent but like andrew was saying when he first talked about this on the show aside from the pooch redos of the levels and the stage the first time you run through a stage and see everything in its entirety see all the staging and all that stuff the game does not have a the game is not super super friendly in terms of replayability like, I went back and did stuff because I wanted coins to get my costumes and look like a trash can. That was fine. But when you, if you really want 100% completion the game outside of things like the hearts that you have to finish on and getting coins, like to get all the flowers, for example, I found that super, super annoying. Like, at first I was like, oh, cool. Like, it's quite smart to, to, to sort of like have to pass the level each time and, and realize where you could have gone, you know, see all the hidden areas and stuff like that. But after a while, I started getting less and less flowers and I was just like, where where can you possibly hide these things? How could I possibly find these red coins or these flowers? I just couldn't do it. Like, I just found it so difficult to even know where to look. Made my brainwash shutting down because I was basically narcoleptic at that point. But it was just like, it was, it was great low-key fun. I enjoyed it as a break from Cuphead, but it is definitely... 
a de-escalation in terms of like difficulty and engagement from Woolly World. So like Andrew, I think I wound up being a little bit disappointed. It kind of really feels like Yoshi's Star Allies as opposed to Yoshi's Woolly World, if that makes sense. Like that kind of difficulty curve comparison. So that's that. Uh, It is a very low-key alternative. Um, so still recommend it if you're like me and you're banging your head against Cuphead repeatedly and screaming in frustration. Take some time out and play something really chilled out like Yoshi's Crafted World. But if you don't want something super chilled out to the point whereby you might fall asleep, maybe don't play this game. Uh, I've still yet to play it, so I'll get there. I've decided to burden myself with a heap of other stuff. Uh, one of which was Cuphead, which was certainly in my list of most anticipated from the uh, Nindy Showcase just last month. This was an Xbox exclusive. Microsoft have worked really closely with Nintendo to bring this to Switch, which was really cool. I'm, I'm enjoying seeing that partnership develop. The short version of this is Cuphead is awesome, mm-hmm. but super challenging. Interesting that the uh, difficulty discussion hasn't really kept up with Cuphead this time around after everyone let go of it finally with uh, Sekiro. Uh, I thought this might, you know, keep stoking the fires to a degree story is that you're you play a cup who likes gambling uh, and he gets uh, cheated at a casino by the devil who wants to take his soul unless he goes around and collects the souls of other characters now it's weird when i in the time since playing this on the xbox and playing it on the switch like in my head even though i know it's not i keep mentally making it a platformer just because of the aesthetic and the controls but it's more of a a bullet hell boss rush game even though there are a couple of run and run and gun levels and yeah so like other difficult games it's about beating each boss through perseverance learning their moves learning how to effectively respond to those moves uh there's a heap of power up stuff so you can earn coins in some levels which are the run and gun ones which you can then spend on different type of ammo or charms so last night i realized i could get the smoke bomb which makes me invisible when i'm dashing uh sorry invincible when i'm dashing (laughs) uh and i i I did the whole first island without buying any of the power-ups which was cool now i have a pro tip Ginny disagrees (laughs) i my pro tip is swap the standard shoot button to a trigger because you're going to b- want to be holding that at all times uh, whereas in its original mapping it's on the face buttons and it gets a bit faffy to sort of manage the dash and the special move which mm. are also on the face buttons so by switching it to a trigger which is o- otherwise unused it's just really really nice and easy just to keep firing on the enemy that's my tip uh, great game beautiful animation the music is amazing obviously built around capturing a style of like really early cartoons think early disney uh, early warner brothers it's one of those games where you'll bang your head against the stage for hours (laughs) and then eventually get it Um, i'm still i've just got to the second island so it's still in the being relatively kind phase Mm. at at this point but yes loving it again the second time around i I never beat it the first time uh, and i just left it too long to sort of go back to it so i'm I'm glad it's released on a a format i actually like (laughs) and (laughs) one that i think i'm gonna persevere with i'm i'm doing like a couple of stages a night and then moving on to something else just so it doesn't get too tiring Mm. how are you finding it Ginny? um i like it so i've clocked it before somehow miraculously um and i think just threw away all of my hand-eye coordination afterwards (laughs) <laughs> because I'm finding it like harder <laughs> the second time around, which is which is quite ridiculous and contrary to how muscle memory and playing games um, for a living should work. 
But apparently, I'm an outlier, and I'm I am sucking more at it this time. But it's still fun. I still love everything I loved about it the first time. I love about it now. I I I do. The story is I, I guess there is a story. Like let's be real, no one is playing Cuphead for the story. Um, but it is it is still really fun. Um, I have strange claw hands, I guess, from from playing rhythm games, and so I'm completely fine with the stuff being mapped the way it is because I love being uncomfortable. <laughs> but but no apart from that no it's really good um it is i would say to people that are kind of put off by the difficulty discussion that may have been around the game when it first came out i actually don't really think it's that bad like it is legitimate to find it too difficult for you that's fine like i'm not trying to to say that the game is not hard but i think that cuphead unlike something like sekiro the way that like matt's progress allows for two players um and lets you access power up super early like if you don't do what andy did and don't buy any power ups the first island you can buy one basically out the gate and get the invisible dash pretty much out the gate um or get an extra heart out the gate so I, I feel like there are there are things in Cuphead that that don't I'm not gonna say these are things that don't these things don't trivialize the difficult discussion, but I think that if the only reason why you're not playing it is because you think, oh, it might be way too hard for me, like I'm not gonna enjoy it at all, like try and find someone that you know that's got it to give it a shot first before you completely write it off, because it is really charming. Um, I know that the art is super racist in origin, like the flesh style of art is super racist. I understand that. Please don't cancel me. Like, but it, it is very, it looks very charming. And I've, I've never like looked at a, at a boss fight and just like hated the sight of the boss. Like I've always, I've never felt like, oh, I should just give up and stop playing. Like something about the whimsical art style, the 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 charming nature of you being like an idiot cup that makes a deal with Satan, and just like the way that you kind of go about the levels and, and the way everything's animated, it's it's so so what's it's got so much momentum to it, so much so many dynamic qualities to it that I feel like the game is kind of like friendlier than something like Dark Souls or Sekiro, not just aesthetic wise, but like the way that it kind of like treats you after you lose or the, the way that you're afforded the chance to kind of get back up and do it again, like play some run gun levels to get coins to then tackle the bosses with extra power ups. Like I like how everything's packaged in this game. And I feel like if the only thing that's putting you off is that some random on the internet was like, oh God, I could not play this. It is so difficult. Like I would rather jump to the ocean. Try and give it a shot first. I promise you, it is so nice. Like I was one of those people. I was like, I can't play this game. I have the I have the coordination of a wet piece of tissue. How can I play this game? Wrong. I managed to clock it somehow. Even though I'm struggling now, like there is hope for you yet. So please give it a shot if you think it might even remotely be a cup of tea. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Uh, and it is worth mentioning there is an easy mode. Exactly, there is. Which you can which you can decide on like stage by stage, mm-hmm. and I think the. I don't think it actually ma- makes it that less difficult, but it does cost you like either an ending or the ability to get the highest rank, and it's minimal. So that there there are ways to make make the game easier for yourself. Mm, for um, sure. I don't know why I didn't buy anything on the first time. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say when you said that, like I, I did the whole first island without items. I was like, is that a humble brag? Like, is he just being like, yeah, like I'm just so good at this game. I did it with no items, and I was like, wait yeah. a minute. I don't know. Also, don't don't buy the heart item because it lowers your uh, attack, attack strength. Yeah, I prefer to go for the. I went for the dash first. I always go for the dash first each time. Um, but I but it did mean I could go back in bulk and then get a heap of different you know gun styles. Mm, uh, for sure, those are handy. Equip and change on the fly. Um, but yeah, big things up. Bit of saver. 
big thumbs up on this one for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, loved it the first time. Didn't finish it. I definitely want to finish it this time. Andrew, you didn't play this one this week, did you? I did not. It's probably going to be one I grab with gold coins somewhere down the line. Cool. Okay, something else uh, I decided to start to play in my uh, excitement for Dragon's Dogma coming to Switch. <laughs> I, I wanted to play something fantasy, and instead of going to Skyrim like I should have done, I decided to boot up Joe Diva's Lone Wolf, which is uh, one I know Andrew had his eye on for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is basically a choose-your-own-adventure book. Uh, Joe Deaver is an adventure book author. This is an original story. Um, and it's in a lot of ways, it's more book than game. You're literally reading passages from a book and then you get to make the decisions using a map or just the, the dialogue choices and what your actions are. Basically, the only consequences I've had so far have been on the supporting characters, but like certain choices can help you get certain items, so it can can help you. A lot of the times, your decisions will put you in combat, uh, or a combat will just happen to you. Uh, it's kind of weak. It's kind of working on sort of a Final Fantasy style ATB system where the the meter builds before you can attack, and once it's full, you can do three moves per turn. What you can select depends on the cost, so you can't just spam your your most powerful move three times, but. There's there's a bunch of stuff here that just do, doesn't really gel with me, um, and it's about feel. Although it, you're you're selecting the attacks kind of from a menu, it's that it's uh, context buttons. The way it plays out is it, there's no like fun audio feedback. Like your your character will attack and it just sounds weak, and the music sort of overpowers it, and it just it's just not fun, really. Um, maybe I need to get a bit mm. further in, um, but I'm seeing that you know there's there is tactics to it, but it's just not doing anything for me at the moment. Things to mention are usually in, in the traditional game books: a bad decision can equal death, or if you lose in combat, you have to start the entire thing again unless you're a big cheat. Um, here you can either you've got a bunch of options. You can either restart the the same encounter, which is not worth it if you enter with low health. Uh, or you can go back to a previous checkpoint and, and come back to this a bit smarter, uh, which is good and is sort of similar to the things we were saying about Phoenix Wright last week with the hit point system and, and how badly that checkpoints and how much dialogue you have to get back through to get to the mm. the trial. Like, this is smart. This this I actually like. It means I can just get back in uh, not too far from where I was and go again. And the reason that's smart is because it's a book. Like, it's an inherently slower experience than your traditional action RPG. The The story itself, it's probably unfair to judge it on literature standards because adventure books are, you know, they're not traditionally amazing books. It's all about the experience and forming the adventure and making those choices. The writing isn't that great. Your character is kind of like a, a fake Geralt, who's like the liege lord of the town that it takes place in, uh, and he's, he's just blank, and the idea is nothing will ever phase him, and he's got all these powers, and he's just meant to be cutting through everything in in the place. I don't know, just a little boring. Uh, so I can't honestly say if I'm going to stick with it. I did also grab Warlock of Firetop Mountain a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I think just how they, they have translated that as a classic adventure book into digital form might be more of what I'm after from this genre uh so we'll see i might go back to it i'm not not convinced uh and talking of atb systems uh andrew you've been checking out the final fantasy 10 and 10 hd remaster yes i have that was a weird transition <laughs> cool 
Tell us more. This is an old package. I think it goes all the way back to PlayStation 3. They've just been rejiggering it to run on different platforms ever since. So this is actually a not a new thing that they've got out there on Switch now. And that is kind of impacting how the game is packaged. That's the main thing I want to talk about at the start here is uh, this game's packaging is really not consumer friendly. Because when you buy this game on PlayStation 3 or if you buy it on PlayStation 4 or if you get it on Steam, it has both the HD remasters of Final Fantasy X and X-2 together in one package. That's also true if you buy it on the PlayStation Vita or the PlayStation Switch. PlayStation Switch? (laughs) If you buy it on the PlayStation Vita or on the Nintendo Switch. I think that's what the Switch version is mostly based on is the Vita version. But because of how big the game is, it doesn't quite fit on the Switch game cards. So the only thing actually on the card is Final Fantasy X. And Final Fantasy X-2 is included in it as a pack-in code. So if you buy this game used, then you're probably not going to be getting X-2 with it. You'll have to go online and you'll have to pay however much it costs. Actually, I'm not even sure if you can buy X-2 yet, but I would hope you would be able to. Because when I put in that code, it came up as downloadable content instead of as a separate game file download. So I compare that to Bayonetta 2, which came out last year, which was packaged as Bayonetta 2, but it had a code in it for Bayonetta 1 as well. But the package was specifically and explicitly for Bayonetta 2, and Bayonetta 1 was just a bonus. And they are treated as two separate apps on the Switch. Bayonetta 2 is its own thing, Bayonetta 1 is its own thing. And then there's also Resident Evil... Revelations Collection, which came out November 2017. That one actually is packaged as both of the games, and Revelations 2, because it's actually such a honking huge file, it's almost 30 gigabytes, actually is a separate download, but it's also treated as two different applications by the Switch. So if I were to sell Bayonetta 2, if I were to sell my Resident Evil Revelations Collection card, I could still play Revelations 2, or I could still play Bayonetta 1 because they're just treated as a separate app by the game itself. And, you know, the if a person were buying Revelations collection used, they would still be getting ripped off because it says right there on the box that it's both games, but you're really only getting one game out of it. It's even worse with this game because you can't even play 10-2 without the card inserted, even though it's a completely separate game download. So, yeah, (laughs) it's kind of a scuzzy situation, and it it seems to be entirely from how old the game is and the way it was packaged on Vita, because that was from a time when including codes in games to give you more things to download as like a bonus, that that was normal and it was accepted. We've kind of gone past that, which I'm very happy for, but you've got to be careful buying this and and really just buying it digitally is probably the best way to go because it it avoids all this mess and all this complication. But I wanted to get it physically because I prefer to have games physically because I I feel they last longer and I they they save space too, which is a big help. But that's just the way it's packaged and I'm kind of disappointed that that's the way it's, it's treated because uh, it's a huge complication and it's this huge logistical nightmare just so they could save a few bucks on bigger cards and it just 
makes it a less user-friendly experience for what are two very good games. Maybe I should talk about that, about how good the games are. Yeah. (laughs) If you've been listening for a while, you know digital games is a huge bugbear of mine and don't even get me started on streaming so anyway but if you're playing this on switch there are new quality of life features introduced uh they're actually also from the vita version of the game uh there's a quick heal menu you can bring up using the touchscreen now that that really alleviates the amount of time you have to spend navigating menus after every fight healing up your party you can just bring up this quick heal menu you can select heal with magic or heal with items and the game does it for you it's only available with the touch screen though so if you're playing docked you cannot use this feature which is inconceivably stupid but <laughs> uh, i know that i am i'm a unicorn being a person who mostly plays his switch docked uh, I, I may as well be playing a playstation 4 there's really no difference but uh <laughs> as to the games themselves uh final fantasy 10 this was i really don't think i can put into words to uh, the Gen Z people out there listening about what a big deal this game was when it first came out. It was the first Final Fantasy on PlayStation 2. Uh, it was graphically, you know, spectacular. It still looks really good today, even looking at the PlayStation 2 standard definition version. It still holds up. And it was all completely voice acted. There had been games with voice acting before in the past, but this was a Final Fantasy game. So this was a big deal. Uh the voice acting is it, it's okay <laughs> uh, and uh, the the completely kind of plastic faces that where the mouths move but there's no real expression on the faces that it kind of lets the voice acting down a little bit that's unfortunate but just as a technological marvel of its time this game was really important so it, it's nice to have it in high definition so that way we can keep playing it and seeing how well it holds up compared to the games which have followed in its wake. And what this game is about is you play as this guy called Titus, who I'm just going to avoid all the complication and just skip right to the point. He, he ends up joining this party with this young woman named Yuna, who's a summoner who travels the world with her followers, goes on a pilgrimage to all these different holy sites uh, so she can ultimately perform a sacrifice and defeat sin. So yeah, this is a really Christian mm-hmm. game, uh, but there there's a plot twist and uh, it, it kind of goes back on itself and kind of says, actually, you know what, screw all that, but it's a really good twist. So I, I won't go any further into elaboration on that there's some really interesting themes with that christian stuff as well with you know christian uh, christianity versus science yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which i found super interesting and how some of the characters in the party clash over their different methodologies i guess so yeah that, that that's a really cool thing to look out for yeah it goes into some really philosophical areas and it, it does much like tales of vesperia it doesn't resolve any of its debates but Unlike Tales of Vesperia, I felt like it wasn't supposed to. It's just supposed to raise questions. And especially between Waka and Riku, who Waka is your your ultra devout party member and Riku is your your kind of heretical scientist. So they have some interesting contrasts between the, how they interplay and that's the kind of stuff that really keeps me invested in these games. But as a game itself, it's a big step away from the previous games, especially Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy IX, which preceded it on PlayStation 1 and has preceded it on the Switch in the past couple months. As those two games used the ATB system, this game was kind of the launching point for Square Enix just abandoning the ATB system, which is something that I 
never really forgiven them for because the ATB system was great <laughs> and every Final Fantasy game they've released since has used some different system and I haven't liked most of them, uh, but I actually really like the system they use in this one. It's adapted from Final Fantasy Tactics, and actually I think that's the reason I like it, is because it is still mostly ATB, it's just not played in real time. Uh, how it is, is each one of your characters has a speed value, and it, the game just keeps adding those numbers up until they get to 100, and then that person gets their turn. Now you can also abuse the game system so that way you know say if you give your character all kinds of stats so that way they get to 110 speed yeah that means they get to go twice in a row before somebody else gets to move and that's the entire that's the only way you're going to conquer this game at the end is to really take advantage of that system but the result is since it's all played in turn-based systems that it's played much slower so a character's turn comes up, you're going to stop and you're really going to look at the situation and you're going to decide what move should I make here because there's no rush to make it. You have the time to make it and then the enemy will get to take their turn or you'll get to take your next turn, whatever it is. So you can really look at the situation you're in and decide what the best move is rather than like in Final Fantasy VII where I spent most of the game just holding down the attack button so I could get my next attack down as fast as I possibly could. Um, I think it was the first game where, where it would show you the turn order as well so you could plan ahead based on what enemies were going to do. Yeah, the first Final Fantasy game certainly that did that. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Now you've got your full roster of party... Yeah. You've got your full roster of characters that you can bring into any battle, and you have access to all of them at any time, which I really like. It's not like where you in past Final Fantasy games where you have a party of three or four characters that you pick, and that's what you get for that fight. There are eight characters that you have available to, and if you want to swap one in at any time, you can do it. It doesn't even cost a turn. It, you just bring them right in. So every character serves a specific role, like Waka, since he throws... A ball is his attack. He's really good for taking out ranged enemies or flying enemies. And Oren, who has this giant sword that ignores enemy defenses, you know, he, he, you bring him in for the tough enemies or the high defense enemies. Every character has a very specific role that they play in battle. So a lot of the strategy is knowing what character to use when. And that strategy is more important than power. If you just try to power your way through this game, you're not going to have a lot of success with it. Where uh, your equipment growth is progressive in past Final Fantasy games. In this game, it's more tactical. Like, when you get to the next town, there's just not a new set of equipment to buy that's, like, 10 points stronger. It just has it has different attributes to it, which might be more useful in certain fights. Like, you might be able to buy a weapon for Tidus that gives the fire element to his attacks rather than actually makes his attacks stronger. So your equipment becomes far more important and that sword that you've had kicking around since the beginning of the game is just as useful at the end of the game you just have to be in the right situation to use it and also packed into final fantasy 10 there's also blitzball which is like a, an rpg sports game and it's it could hold up entirely on its own as its own game but unfortunately the first time that you're really given a chance to play Blitzball, it's with the worst team in the game against the people who are the best team in the game, so you're probably going to lose that match. <laughs> I really wish they wouldn't do that. It's a really bad introduction to the game, 
because you're not going to want to play Blitzball again after that experience. But really, if you put the time into playing Blitzball, it's completely optional. But if you do put the time into it, it's a completely worthy addition to the game. And if they were to put some more resources into it, it could totally stand on its own as its own game. And I would even play it. Yeah, it was... um, I've got a weird history with final fantasy 10 where uh, on the ps2 i hated it tedus was the main issue and blitzball was the <laughs> second issue um and uh there was a couple of things where i played the ps3 version and and on the vita i did the you know mm-hmm. cross save thing um and i really got to like blitzball in the end it's pretty deep and uh, there's like this whole league system and team management system where you can recruit new players so it, it's pretty deep on the tedious thing i still kind of hate him yeah um but then i, I sort of realized that you know was the actual main she character, is, yeah and he's and and he's just the vehicle for her basically it's that whole final fantasy thing where <laughs> the main character is not the main character like at the end yeah. of the month we're gonna get to final fantasy 12 Wait till you hear me talk about Vaughn. Vaughn fans are out there, you are going to hate me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Final Fantasy X is really good. It's the source of a lot of the things in Final Fantasy that I don't care for. Like, if Final Fantasy thirteen, people accuse it of being completely linear. Uh, <laughs> that started with this game. Just, just going to throw that out there. But... Yeah, this is this whole double standard that I dislike, where everyone's like, I hate Final Fantasy Thirteen. it's just one big corridor, and I played this all the way through on PS3, and I was like, this is the same damn game. Yeah. Final Fantasy X is literally a giant corridor, that is the entire game, because it's much easier to make a beautiful game on limited hardware if the player can't actually go anywhere and interact with anything. <laughs> yeah, and, and like people were like, oh, I hate in Final Fantasy Thirteen that they removed the towns and the shopkeepers. And I was like, yeah, okay, but in Final Fantasy X, the, sh- the towns are all the same with the same people, and the shop is... It's the same guy every time. And the inn, there's not even any point in staying in the inn because the save points heal you now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was, that was Final Fantasy X. Uh, Final Fantasy X 2, uh, often maligned unfairly, I think. Unfairly. Uh, very unfairly. Final Fantasy X 2 is an amazing game. I love it. Uh, I'm sure many people out there are going to be surprised to hear me say that because they know my feelings about uh, anime tropes. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't play much of Final Fantasy X too because I wanted to focus mostly on X, but I did, I did play it a little bit so I could re- refresh myself on it. But Final Fantasy X too picks up just two years after the end of Final Fantasy X. So if if you want to see what happens to Spira after the events of that game, this is your chance to see it. It's not like a follow up of like another. I can't even think of an RPG off the top of my head that's a follow up, but it's not a hundred years in the future. It's what happens next. Uh, so you really get to see the truly good things that happened as a result of Final Fantasy X, which has a really <laughs> a grinding story that it's not a good time for most of those characters. It follows up with Yuna and Riku, and they pick up a third-party number named Pain, and those are your only three characters that you have for the entire game. And if you want to have different jobs, you can, because the char- this game is the return of the job system that everybody loves from final fantasy 5 from final fantasy tactics that game that system is brought back here and 
it's just amazing because th- they turned it into like this magical girl system. <laughs> dress spheres. It's great. <laughs> yeah, dress spheres. Yeah, you, you find dress spheres and you use them on your characters and literally they will go through a Sailor Moon style transformation sequence in battle and then they become their new job and you can actually change jobs in battle and it's so much fun. <laughs> And this also brings back the ATB system. I think this is the last Final Fantasy game that used ATB. And ATB was actually restricted back on the PS1. The system didn't have enough power to really uh, run the system fully in full time. But in 10.2, the ATB system runs in full time. When you command somebody to do something, the meters are still running and characters are still making their actions and it's all happening at the same time. It can turn into complete chaos. But it is so much fun, it is so fast, it is so active. I absolutely adore the combat system in this game. Uh, the story is it kind of hit or miss. Uh, it kind of goes into the political situation of what happened in Spira. And the politics are good, the characters aren't always all that interesting. But it's more about just how fun it is uh, to watch these three girls go through this world and try to solve their problems and yuna actually has a really good motivation and it's really captivating to follow her along with that motivation even though the ending may not necessarily pay out the way you want it to but it's still fun uh basically i think of this as a charlie's angels rpg yes, that's exactly what i was thinking a lot of people just they didn't get on with this game and i, I don't know maybe it might be a, a relic of when the game came out uh, because we weren't yet acclimated to games like this in in the West when this game came out. Like Persona hadn't broken into the mainstream yet, and anime was still not as mainstream then as it is now. Like if you watched anime, it was like really mainstream stuff, like Pokemon and stuff like that. I don't want to say that this game is entirely anime because it's not. It's still very much a Final Fantasy game, but th- those influences are much more felt here and the character designs are a little a little more playful like uh, in the last game in final fantasy 10 yuna is running around in i don't i've heard different interpretations i'm not an expert on that kind of clothing but it, it's either a kimono or it's a, a shrine maiden's outfit but she's wearing hot pants in this one so it's a bit of a step up for her and uh, riku is now wearing a mini skirt and a bikini top so uh everybody knows uh the character designs in xenoblade chronicles 2 just hacked me off and you you might expect me to feel the same way about these but i really don't because this game takes place in a much more tropical region where those clothes actually make a lot more sense and these girls are not in the military and they're not like knights and warriors they're just adventurers so they can wear what they want and these clothes they just make sense in this setting pyra's clothes did not make sense was my main problem (laughs) with them (laughs) a breastplate and a thong Uh, uh, anyway let's not get sidetracked by that andrew um Do you have something to say, Jenny? <laughs> no, nothing. I'm just thinking formally about Tapara's outfit. Anyway, continue. <laughs> anyway, Final <laughs> Fantasy X-2, uh, if you just dismissed it or or just didn't play it back when it was new, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to be that old, um, or if you've just been going off the reputation that X-2 continues to carry, give it a second chance because X-2 
even regardless of how you feel about its presentation, is still one of the most exciting Final Fantasy games I've ever played once you actually get into the battles. I love Ten Two. I love both these games. This is a, a severely overpriced package on Switch. You can get this pack in on PS4 for 10 or $15, but it's still worth the money if you want to play it on Switch. Uh, highly recommend both these games. Yeah, uh, my thing with 10.2 was I never played it originally just because of my dislike of 10. Uh, and then when I played it in HD Remaster, I was nearly unstuck by that weird tone shift from, you know, the typical Final <laughs> Fantasy some somber guy with big sword to this uh, just off-the-wall Charlie's Angels simulator. Yeah, like Final Fantasy X opens up with a giant monster destroying a giant city. Final Fantasy X-2 opens up with a J-pop concert with a heist going on while it's happening. <laughs> and and the, the other thing as well, there's just like uh, things where it's just like, you know, the world's in danger and it could end, but hey, let's put on a concert partway through. And it's just like, <laughs> and you know what, I loved it. I thought yeah. it's traditionally the sort of thing that as a younger Final Fantasy fan I would have hated, but playing it on the PS3. Yeah, Final Fantasy like, 8 did that and I hated it in that, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, somehow this makes sense in this particular version. But yeah, it's a brilliant RPG. It, if, if you're a big fan of 10 and the tonal shift is too much for you, it may not be a good Final Fantasy 10 sequel, but it's just a great RPG in its own right. Just play 10-2 first if you're worried about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so one other thing I've been playing, which you two are probably going to completely switch off on... Uh, but I saw a, a cheap game on, on the store called Active Soccer 2016. So I did some investigation. Mm-hmm. It seems to be uh, a one-man game developed by one person. Oh, and that's cool. It it looked awful, but that was what drew me in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, everything about it, from its design, the way it's made, it just feels like it's deliberately designed to be an archaic football game. Uh, so in a in a way, it kind of reminds me of the likes of Sensible Soccer. Um, I have this thing where uh, every so often I'll just boot up a really old football game just to see how far we've come along, and be surprised at what still works and what doesn't. <laughs> and and a lot of it, I love the going down memory lane and seeing all these old teams that I used to love and follow, and all these old players. Uh, and a lot of the times in the olden days, like in PS One, if they didn't have the Premier League license, they would just use fake names. Uh, this has that in spades. So the Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson, and this is called Jordan Henderson. World world famous uh, superstar Mohamed Salah is called Jesus Mohamed Satar. Uh, they all sound like made up names yeah, to me. <laughs> and yeah, so they go with that. You, there's an editor you can fix it. The the whole menu presentation it looks like an Amiga game uh, for any of those that are old enough to remember those systems, and it's just. It, it's shoddy uh like there's some amazing ai mistakes where like uh, i kicked the ball out of touch and the team opposition team had to take a throw in but because they were near their own goal they just threw it straight out for a corner for me instead of to a player like they just have these set directions where they'll throw the ball if they're taking a throw in but you know what it's it, like the matches are short they're fast-paced the gameplay is simple and intuitive and for all it's little quirks and missteps i kind of like it i i find it really charming um and i want to keep playing more of it uh, i don't think there's any like online mode or anything like that but you can you know you can do local multiplayer and play in leagues and I, I think you can even set it up as like a management game as you could with 
old sensible soccer. Uh, yeah, so just just a quick thing on that. It's 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 kind of terrible, but I'm pretty certain it's eighty percent deliberately terrible, uh, and I like it. <laughs> I kind of like it. Uh, and the last thing we were going to talk about is uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, no, no, it's not twenty eighteen again. Uh, the Joker fighter pack has finally been released, uh, and a stage builder. So, uh, who's been playing this one? I, I played as Joker in classic mode. <laughs> and how's he? Well, I got a nine point two on classic, even though I haven't played in months. But I've not played Persona Five. I don't know anything about this character, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. Uh, he's got an interesting style where uh, he's got this meter that fills up. And once it does, then he becomes his like alternate persona state where his abilities become much more powerful and his attacks hits much harder. So it, his strategy seems to be based more around kind of like turtling in the match and countering attacks until that meter fills up and then just unleashing on the enemies because it did seem to work really well as far as, you know, just bringing the pain once he went into that mode, but... I can't speak for how well a representation he is of the actual game because I haven't played it. But it's rumored to be coming to Switch, so maybe someday soon I will. As the Persona fan, I probably should have jumped in on that. He failed us all. <laughs> I fail everyone all the time. So what about the stage builder? I don't know what to make of it just yet. It It's a lot more powerful than I was expecting it to be, especially after the stage builder in Smash 4. But it, this isn't just putting together tiles and slopes and beating each other up like you can actually make shapes and you can have them move around like uh some person is recreating pokey floats from melee i don't know what would possess them to do that except to torture the world but (laughs) you will soon be able to play pokey floats if you go and download that map or download it play it once find out why pokey floats is the worst map in any smash brothers game then delete it Uh, but this isn't just a a snap map thing you can actually make really impressive things with this if you put the time into it i I was really impressed with this feature even though i i don't see myself spending much time with it uh and uh also the update brought uh a video editor uh the community sharing portal which we talked about in the, the the news section i guess um and smash world has been added to the nintendo switch online app if you've booted that up since platoon 2 came out (laughs) i know i haven't uh but you can search for content by character on stage i had to reinstall the nintendo switch (laughs) just to look at it uh it's still on there it's just in the bottom of a folder somewhere but nintendo don't know about folders so they don't know that happens (laughs) and the only other thing to mention is i'm still playing dead cells uh managed to beat the the concierge and the the time controlling boss i've unlocked a couple of the runes got one just before uh, we recorded and i lost 57 cells because i got greedy in the ossuary which wasn't very nice but uh still playing it uh still loving it completely love this game Uh, so what are we playing this coming week dragon's dogma same get hype Um, I'm going to try for some MK11, actually. I've been really hype about that. Like, just seeing um, all of the trailers so far of all the characters and also working on um, some stuff uh, around MK11. So I really want to play it. And uh, I'll probably try Clock Cuphead again if I don't, like, give up and break my brain on my Switch first. 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm definitely getting MK11 too because I, I want to use my fight stick that I bought for the Switch, which has only had sporadic use on the classic Street Fighter. So yeah, so a, a good reason to use it. So I'm waiting for the Ultimate Edition to come out next year. That's the first strategy. I got the uh, Collector's Edition of Injustice 2 when it came out two years ago, I guess it came out now, and I just <laughs> I didn't play it enough to justify how much that cost, so uh, I'm, I'm deliberately waiting for the Ultimate Edition of Mortal Kombat 11 to come out next year before I pick it up. Uh, and I still haven't played Injustice 2, thanks for the reminder. I need to get on that. Okay, and that's it. So, um, that's it for the show this week, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps to get us noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. We're on pretty much every single one. Um, be sure to join our Discord server, too, if you want to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. There are quite a few of us. We talk about not only the games um, and the shows, but also just, like, Nintendo stuff in general. And we have really cute cat slash baby photos. So if that's your jam, check us out. Um, we'll leave a link for you in the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. And we'll leave links for those for you as well. And um, if you want to support the show, you can also buy us a coffee. We have the details on our website and there's a pinned post in our Discord server. You can also follow us individually. Andy is at Flame Rose Toast, Andrew is at Play Critically, and I am Ginny at Ginny Wars. And keep your eyes peeled for a Patreon notice that we're going to pop out to you guys hopefully sometime soon um, to give you yet another way to support our show and to help us keep bringing that Switch content right into your ear holes. Cool, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Frankly, disgusting. <laughs>